This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And the 3-2 pitch swung on and hit to left field and deep. Moving back on the ball is Lonnie Smith. He looks up. This will fly away into the Mariner bullpen. And Spike Owen has number two on the year. The Mariners again have that five-run lead. It is to 6-1. Spike muscling up a little bit. Well, we have a fun one today as we get a chance to sit down with former Mariners shortstop Spike Owen. He has lived an amazing baseball life, including spending his rookie season in 1983 through 1986 with the Seattle Mariners. We cover a lot in this conversation, and we start with his college days at the University of Texas. It was, without a doubt, three of the best years of my life. I mean, you know, is is you know, you can go back, anybody can go back to the college days. And, you know, when you, you finally get out of high school and, you know, you, you, you kind of think you're becoming a man or getting out on your own and, you know, having the opportunity to play for Texas was a dream come true. Uh, and then the friendships I made there, obviously with teammates and, the whole University of Texas and Austin scene back in the 80s was just a great place to be. And and we were good. I mean, that was that was the uh, the really, really fun part about it. You know, it's all about winning and and we were good. And, and you know, Coach Gus uh, built a great program, had a great program and uh, the players he got there were top notch. I was told from a, a certain another back at that time it was a southwest conference so i was told by one of the coaches in the conference that recruited me uh that i'd never play at texas and uh so that uh that obviously kind of fueled the fire and i remember after taking my recruiting trip and coming back home i told my mom and dad well i don't know if i ever play there but I'm going there because I want to be associated with a winner. I want to, I want to play for a winner. And uh, so that was, uh, that was kind of my, my start to my Texas career. And fortunately it worked out great. You know, I was able to earn a spot and coach Gus told me that the freshman year that he recruits shortstops out of high school because he believed the shortstop was, you know, the shortstops in high school are probably the best athlete just because of the position. And then, they could move around, you know, he, he had no problem moving you to third base, second base, outfield, whatever, but the competition was wide open and I wanted to fall my uh, freshman year. And, you know, with their coaching help and uh, Bill Bethay was an infield coach who was outstanding. So in three years I, out of high school, I wasn't drafted. And in three years at Texas, I became Seattle's number one pick. That's amazing. What a journey. And as you mentioned, it parlayed into the number six pick overall for the Mariners that year. And seemingly in the blink of an eye, you're in the major leagues in 1983. You rocketed through the system to the big leagues that it must have seemed like such a whirlwind at the time. No doubt. No doubt, Gary. You know, and, and 
you know, I've been so, so fortunate, uh, so blessed yeah, because, you know, you, you look at, and even, you know, uh, you can bring that in today's uh, era as far as great players. And, and I'm not saying I'm great, my, but like great players that are in the big leagues at a lot in a certain position that are locked down, you know, you know, the, for example, you know, if I got drafted by Baltimore or, or, you know, you can name a, a bunch of teams that had a solid shortstop at the time. The, you kind of get blocked. And not that Todd Cruz was a bad player at all. I mean, he was a big league player, but, you know, it was just, that's one of those things. They drafted me as a shortstop and, you know, and Seattle obviously wasn't, was not winning. And it just gave me a quicker opportunity to get to the big leagues if I did what I needed to do in the minor leagues. And I'm very, very thankful, you know, that, that Seattle took me. And yeah, it was quick, you know, my, in my, in our negotiations, uh, which I didn't have an agent, uh, uh, David Chalk was a scout and uh, gosh, Mr. Harrison came to my house. And anyway, through the negotiations, I just said, well, here's what I want. And I want to go, I'm not going any lower than double A. And that, uh, that kind of shook them up a little bit. They were like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I've been playing at a major university. I'm not going to go back and play with 18-year-olds and whatever. Anyway, they it took them a while, but they finally came around and found a spot, and I went to Lynn, Massachusetts, uh, AA, and uh, Harold Reynolds, Jim Presley, uh, Johnny Moses, Jamie Nelson, uh Gosh, Glenn Walker, uh, Al Chambers. I mean, all these guys that eventually made it, you know, to the big leagues uh, along with myself. That was that that first experience of double-A with those guys. And and so, uh, you know, the next year I went, got invited to big league camp and then I went to triple-A. And you never forget the first day, I'm mean, June 25th, 1983, Bobby Floyd knocked on my door the manager late at night, me and Harold and Jerry Don Gleaton were living together. And it's like, Oh my gosh, what's he want? <laughs> and uh, he told me I was going to the big leagues. So it was, uh, it was, it was quick. And I'm very, very thankful for that. That was a, a weird circumstance. That first day you're in the big leagues, right? With all the turnover that the Mariners had just gone through that day. I had, and you're absolutely right. And I had no idea what was going on. So first of all, I went and got all my stuff packed, obviously, and then got on a got on the plane to Seattle and 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 got there and uh, which I couldn't believe I did, but I, I got a cab to the hotel and I got there and got my luggage and I was like, where's my equipment bag? <laughs> I guess this and all the stuff going on or whatever, I actually left my equipment bag. I didn't get it. And so I told the cabbie, I was like, man, I, you know, take me back to the airport and I got to hopefully find my equipment. And uh, he said, uh, hey, don't worry about it. I'll go back to the airport and I'll get it for you. And he did. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it was what a what a what a nice man. What a great thing. You know, and I was so worried about that. But anyway, then I then I got to the ballpark and Veda Pinson, uh, you know, our hitting coach which I spent time in spring training with him. When I walked in the clubhouse, there wasn't a lot of guys there because, you know, I, obviously I'm so excited. I got there real early, but Veda was there and 
he said, Hey, Spike. I said, Hey, he goes, congratulations. I said, no, thank you. I appreciate it. And he said, uh, did you hear the news? And I said, no, uh, what are you talking about? Goes Latch got fired. Gaylord got released. Todd Cruz got released. Welcome to the big leagues. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? So it was, you talking about, uh, getting thrown in the fire, so to speak, right on because, you know, early on, because I, you know, I know in every clubhouse, whether, you know, when, when veteran guys or when things start shaking up like that and get, you know, people getting released and fired, it's, it's, it's not a good environment to come into, you know, because not that they dislike me, but I'm sure they like the other guys. I mean, Gaylord Perry's a hall of famer and, you know, and, and, you know, Todd had been there for a while. So it was, uh, yeah, it was to say the least. I was just like, I just kept my mouth shut and, and uh, said hello to everybody and just, you know, obviously tried to play it low key and did play it low key. When you think back to the early days in a Mariners uniform, what are kind of your favorite memories when you think upon those days? Your first experience in the big leagues will always be special. It doesn't matter you know, what team or where, but I wouldn't even call it naive, but I was, I was just so, so excited and under the impression that we got a good thing going here, you know, I mean, cause I'd played with Harold and press and, you know, Alvin Davis, he was another, Alvin was with the land team and uh, Johnny Moe. And it's like, you know, in the pitching that we had coming up, you know, uh, young Mike Moore and Mark Langston and, you know, and I know I'm missing some people, but I just thought we were we were headed to do something pretty special. I learned real quick. Well, not real quick, but after three plus years that doesn't necessarily depends, I guess, on what market you're in and, and not necessarily market, but, you know, how much ownership's willing to pay. I mean, to and not that back then, obviously, the money's not anything like now, but that's obviously a different era. But anyway, no, my, I was, I just, I love the team. I love the city. I, I thought I was going to be there forever, you know, my whole career. And then all of a sudden, Latch really didn't manage me in the big leagues, but I count him as a manager. And then you got Dale Crandall, Marty Martinez, Chuck Cotier, Dick Williams. I mean, all this in a, not even a five-year time. I mean, I was there, I was, you know, I was traded in 86. So it's three basically three years, three plus years, and you go through all this turnover with managers and, and everything else. So, you know, in all honesty, that was, you know, that was disappointing because I thought we had a core group uh, and it kind of, I believe, could prove out of the success that a lot of the ex-Mariners had over a long, over a long period of time in the big leagues. You know, and I don't think you can, I mean, you can argue it, but I, I would stand up to the fact that if we would have kept our group together and obviously making, like any team does, making some changes here or there to, to upgrade or whatever. But I, I just I just think, yeah, I think we would have been really, really good. And you mentioned that trade to the Red Sox in 86. And, of course, the Red Sox at the time were making a playoff run, making a playoff push. And you and David Henderson are traded to Boston, what were your thoughts at that time being being traded to the Red Sox? Well, after that, uh, 
and that's one date I actually don't remember, but the, the trade date. But after uh, it was a day game, it was probably on a Sunday. Hindu and I, number one, were really, really good friends. You know, we, we were close. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, after the game, and I, and we were the kind, of, along with a lot of other guys back in, back in the day, is, you know, we were never in a rush to leave the clubhouse. We'd sit around and, and talk have a beer, do whatever, and just talk about the game or talk about, you know, whatever. It was just, it was, you know, really, uh, that's the part I miss the most about the game is those, those, those moments. But we just had a feeling that something was going down. You know, it wasn't like anything was leaked, but with the exception of the, there's a, there's a trade brewing. And for whatever reason, I, I thought it was going to be me. And then, and Hindu did as well. Now we didn't know it was going to be us together. Uh, so sure enough, we hung around long enough that they called us into uh, Dick Williams office and uh, they told us we were going to the Red Sox. So obviously very excited because we're going from last place to first place and being able to, to pursue a dream. I think everybody in, in, in baseball, it, 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 pro ball, and whatever it is you want to play in the World Series and win a World Series, so it was it was great. It was you know bittersweet from a standpoint of you know you think you're I, I was still really young then, and you think you're going to be with an organization that drafted you, you know it, it's just that's the nature of the business. But we kind of had an idea something was up, but and it turned out to be us. It's amazing to look back on that 86 run for the Red Sox, just how eventful <laughs> that playoff run was. And, you know, you had a front row seat for Dave Henderson's home run against Donnie Moore and the Angels. Just an incredible playoff moment. What do you remember about that home run? Oh, man, we were – it looked like, you know, we – you know, Mike Witt was dealing and we – uh you know, we couldn't get anything going. And, and then, you know, and Donnie Moore was an outstanding closer. And the one thing about that Red Sox team, I can tell you is the, the, from going to Seattle and we were, we were a much younger team experience wise, age wise, everything. And then going to that veteran team, when we lost, it was, it was without a doubt, Ain't no, no worries. We're, we're going to win tomorrow. I mean, the, the attitude was, was a lot different, you know, and in, in all honesty, Gary, the, you get into a situation in those early days or those days that I was with Seattle. And then you get to a point in the season that, you know, you, ne you have no shot of winning the division. And, and, you know, back then it was only division winners that made the playoffs. So, so you're not, you're not going to play for anything meaningful. And I, I had to preface this by saying, I, I, I felt like, and, and I, I truly believe this, that I was an ultimate team player. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind, the way that I played the game. However, when you get into those situations where you're out, out of the running by, you know, 20 games, you got to play for yourself. You know, because 
depending on the kind of numbers you put up is going to be the kind of numbers you take into the off season to try to get a contract. And so the reason I bring that up is now you go to a team that that's battling for first place and everything else. I don't care about the numbers. I care about winning. And, and if, as long as I'm contributing, if I'm, if I'm catching the ball and, and turning outs into outs and making plays and, you know, my hitting is so, so subpar or do whatever, but I can move a guy. And I still did that in Seattle, bun a guy over, move a guy, you know, get a guy in from third base with less than two outs, whatever. But everything becomes when you're playing on a winning team and trying to win, everything becomes more focused on win the game. And that's the way the game should be played. I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's, you, you, you're, you, you do the things that you got to do. And again, I, I did that my whole career, I believe, but I, I don't know if, you know, you understand what I'm saying. It's just different when you're 20 games out of first place and yeah, you're still trying to win games, but it's kind of a mute point. So the Boston team was unbelievable with all the veteran leadership and, this how they went about the business of, of playing. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then obviously Fenway Park, Boston fans, the craziness from, you know, the, the Kingdome to Fenway, you know, just two obviously extreme difference in the atmosphere of, uh, of playing baseball. And uh, I was, it was, it was a dream come true. I mean, we made it to the series, and we all know how that ended. Not good for us, but it was uh, it was a great run. What was your view of that ground ball? Uh, you know, I was a shortstop, and it just it's just one of those uh, you know, it's a squig. He hit it hit it off the end of his bat, one of those funky little ground balls, and Buck just didn't stay down on it. It's you know, it. Uh, I get I get asked a lot. And not as much as before, but I'm like going, man, they, Bill Buckner was one heck of a baseball player and, and better than that, a good man. And, you know, for for the way he got hammered and all that, just it, it really upsets me. It's not it's not fair to him. It's not fair to his legacy in baseball and, and the great career, great career that he had. And, uh, you know. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I mean, it could have very easily been me, you know, I mean, you don't, you know, you're playing the game and errors are part of the game. And that, that one just happened to be at a, you know, obviously a, a, a crucial time, but, you know, we still had, we still had game seven and we had a lead in game seven, but it just, you know, wasn't meant to be. So speaking of Boston and Fenway park, you were college teammates, of course, with Roger Clemens, and you and the Mariners happened to face Roger on one of his most incredible nights and one of the most incredible nights in baseball history. What do you remember about the 20 strikeout game in Boston? I was leading off, and the first pitch was uh, was up and in, but not, you know, it wasn't like, you know, up, up and in. It was up and in a little bit. And then the next pitch, I was on my back. So he dropped me. So now I'm, I'm not happy at all. So the count's 2-0, and oh, and he comes back and punches me out. 
So now he, <laughs> so uh, I went back to the dugout and somebody said, what's he doing? And I said, I don't know. It is like, cause he was, they wasn't throwing at me, but I think he, he was just trying to make a statement, you know, that we're friends and, you know, I'm, I ain't afraid to knock you down or anybody else. Right. So, uh, I did not know until he struck me out in the ninth for 19, uh, and then got Phil Bradley. I think Philip next for 20. I did not have any idea, nor do I think any of my teammates had any idea that he had that many strikeouts. And the reason why is, you know, Mike Moore was throwing a heck of a game for us. And Gorman took him deep. And I forget what inning. You may know, but I forget. But so we had a one-nothing lead in the game. And then Dwight Evans hit a maybe a three-run homer. Maybe he might have hit a th- may, may have been about the seventh. So we had a lead late in the game. So that's all I was focusing. It's like we we're you know this is this is a tight game. These both these guys are pit, are throwing the ball really well. And so anyway, until after until we got there, and then it's like his 19th strikeout. I was like, oh wow, I, I didn't know. And if Don Baylor hadn't dropped a foul ball pop up, he'd have never got 20. I don't know if you knew that. Baylor was playing first base. And I forget who was hitting, but they hit a foul ball down the, the by the dugout over there, and is in play, and he clanked, he dropped, he clanked it, and then he punched him out. I forget who it was that was hitting. So, uh, but no, I, it was a historical game, obviously. But you'd make it think you you would think here, and he struck out twenty that it was like uh, we got killed, and. Fact is, is we had a one-run lead going into the seventh inning on him because Mike Moore was throwing the ball great too. So it was a good game. Obviously, he he did what he had to do, and Dewey got the big hit. But yeah, it was, it was a good ball game. You have a favorite moment in a Mariners uniform? I, I that'd be hard to choose. I mean, getting called to the big leagues, and I led off my first game, and I got a base hit off Jim Gott. We we're playing the Blue Jays. And we won the game. Uh, that's one of my one of my best memories for sure. You had such a phenomenal career, thirteen years in the majors, and it, it kind of came full circle. Your last game was at the Kingdom as a member of the California Angels. Of course, that was one of the most famous games in Mariners history. The one game playoff in nineteen ninety five between the Mariners and the Angels. What do you remember about that game, which happened to be your last game in the majors? What a great matchup with with uh, Randy Johnson versus Mark Langston and uh, the Kingdom Pact. You know, it's bittersweet because we, being the Angels, we were really good, and uh, we 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 had a big lead. And you know, bottom line is we blew it. I mean, it was the dangerous thing. I, we couldn't. We went through a stretch. We couldn't win a game. And the next thing you know, the Mariners are winning every day, and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And, you know, we got to win the last day and to make sure we can get into a playoff, or maybe both teams did. I don't remember the exact deal of that. But uh, so, you know, it's, it was bittersweet because it was disappointing because we, we for 
you know, five, six months, we were playing unbelievable baseball and kind of running away with the deal. And then we went into a funk and then there was nothing we could do to climb out, you know, and it's, uh, so, you know, we blew the big lead and then, you know, Randy Johnson and Langley too. I mean, he's a great pitcher, but you know, Randy's just another, <laughs> he's on another level to, you know, he's just, and he, he shut us down. So, but I did when the game was kind of over with DSAR, Gary Ducercina and I were good friends at shortstop with the angels. And he went up to latch and just, uh, which I appreciate. I got to pinch hit for him. And I thought I hit a ball. I hit a ball pretty good. I thought it was going to be a hit, but, uh, got caught so my yeah my last at bat was in the kingdom so yeah I did did go full circle and I'll tell you this it went even fuller circle because in that off season uh, after 95 I was still wanting to play and I knew I'd be be a uh, a utility type player at my age and and what I'd done which I thought I'd proved with the angels I could do well, I couldn't get an offer. I couldn't get signed. So late in camp uh, during spring training, the, the Rangers called and uh, their shortstop had got hurt in spring training. And so I signed with the Rangers. Uh, so that was in 96. So I briefly went down to spring training because the big league spring training was was done. They had already left camp. And uh, Spent a week or so there. Then I went to AAA, and they were in Oklahoma City. And so I got in the first night, and the next day, the next morning, we flew to Omaha, Nebraska. So uh, that's where I played my first game. I started at shortstop in Omaha, where I played in the College World Series. So uh, – I had people yelling at me, you know, you, your old man retired. It was, it was pretty hilarious, but, uh, so it, it goes full circle to go. I was in Omaha and I played five innings and it was awful. I mean, we, we were good players, but I didn't get one ground ball. Uh, I was over two and we had two or three errors and it was just, it was ugly. And so I went in and told the manager, I'm done. And he says, okay, I'll get somebody in there for you. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm done. He goes, what? He says, I'm going home. And so I sat down on the bench and watched the rest of the game. And he said, we'll talk about it after the game. And I said, we'll talk all you want, but I'm telling you, I'm going home. So (laughs) that's where it officially ended in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, Again, like what I'm saying, come a full circle where I've, I've played in the College World Series. That's amazing, too. You didn't just play in the College World Series. A few years ago, you were named a legend by the College World Series. I mean, you were phenomenal at the College World Series. It's amazing. It came to an end in the same place. Yeah, it is. So, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was very uh, – I'm humbled. I'm, I'm very, very uh, thrilled about that honor number one, being able to go and play two years in the World Series, but to be able to perform at a high level at, you know, on the biggest stage, that was, uh, you know, it's very, that's, that's very cool. I love a great baseball story. 
And I imagine you've been around for as long as you were at the big league level. You've got to have a million of them. But do you have a favorite baseball story that you like to tell? Yeah, but a lot of them I, I can't tell you. <laughs> you know, one of the coolest things, I, I, I can say this. Again, I've been so, so fortunate, so blessed in, in my career. I played in a perfect game with Dennis Martinez at Dodger Stadium. He threw a perfect game against the Dodgers. I played in a perfect game. Kenny Rogers threw against us in Arlington with the Rangers. Uh, several no-hitters. I got to witness, and I wish I'd have played in the game, but Jim Abbott threw a no-hitter against Cleveland in 1993 uh, when we were with the Yankees together. An absolute just it, – it, I mean, he'll still get chill bumps. You know, Abbey is one of the – he's one of the, the great guys, uh, not just in baseball, but but he's just a great guy. For him to, to, to do that was was incredible. We were in Baltimore playing the Orioles when Cal Ripken tied and broke the record. And that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. That was, and I played in those games. Uh, and to witness that history, which, you know, I don't see any chance of that ever being broken, was, was really a highlight of my career. It had nothing to do with what I did, but just witnessing these things uh was was you know that's that's really cool also i got to play my first big league camp 84 we went to uh the cubs uh hohokam that's what i call it but back then we went to mesa and i played shortstop behind gaylord perry ferguson jenkins was pitching for the cubs and i'm thinking this is so cool you know, and uh, that goes way back. But those two guys are two Hall of Famers, you know, and they were they were uh, pitching against each other and, uh, you know, playing in that game. Uh, there's just so many. So many. And I'm, I'm, I know there's some in there that that, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking of right now. But, you know, I got to witness a lot of good things and a lot of really cool things. And, you know, not necessarily and it wasn't anything I did it was just the history of the game and the you know I remember early on Carl Skrimsky's last year was 83 and I was playing shortstop in the kingdom and he hit a home run and I'm just standing there you know out behind you know a shortstop a little shifted over for him the left-handed hitter and going I watched him run around the bases and I was like man that's Carl Skrimsky I mean that's really cool. It's like, you know, uh, so you know, a lot. This a lot of, a lot of great memories. A lot of uh, cool things. It, it strikes me. I'm thinking about your career. I, I think Mark Langston was one of the best pitchers in Mariners history. And you were teammates with Langston in Seattle, in Montreal, and with the Angels, right? Tell me about Mark Langston, the pitcher that you got to be teammates with so often in your career. He's the ultimate competitor. I mean, Langley was sharp. He knew what he wanted to do. He, he knew, uh, you know, he had a game plan going into every game. 
Langley was one of those athletic pitchers that me and Elm had a deal. It's like, hey, if I got this guy picked off, he goes, put it on. And reason I say that is because there's there's a lot of pitchers, and I mean a lot, you can't put a pickoff play on with because it's going into center field or, it, you know, they're going to balk or it's whatever. And, uh, but no, the reason I say that because me and Helm had a deal with, with the pickoff that was, that was pretty cool. And there's not too many pitchers in my whole career that, that, that could do that at second base. And, and he would look because the bottom line is we're looking for outs. And if, if, if we can get you an out, get a pitcher an out without throwing a ball to the plate, that's a, that's a bonus. That's a plus. But most pitchers don't look at it like that. But uh, but no, Langley was he was very prepared. He was he was an unbelievable teammate. I mean, when when it was his day to pitch, he was ready to go and pitch. And then when when uh, you know he had his four days, obviously he was working hard in between. But as far as on the bench and everything, he was just an incredible, incredible teammate. So uh, it was a lot of fun playing playing with him. Uh, I wish I could have kept him in Montreal, but he was ready to he was ready to get back to California, get back to the states. And speaking of Montreal, uh, you were the starting shortstop there for four years. Uh, those were such interesting teams to look at. I mean, some great players, you know, Gary Carter and Tim Raines, and Larry Walker was on one of those teams. Uh, what do you remember about those Montreal days? A lot of fun. I mean. Look, you know, it, 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 the city is, it's, you know, they're predominantly French and, uh, you know, we were treated very, very, very well. But as you mentioned, the team was incredible. I mean, and, and I don't know, I, I tell people, they ask me, where's my favorite place to play? And, you know, it's really, they were all great. And, you know, a lot of times, well, not as you know, Boston, you know, simply because, you know, I got to go to the World Series there. But Montreal is really at the top. And the reason, I guess, is is just being being in, a you know, another country. And it just seemed like all the four years I was there, it was the closest – it was the closest team that I played on in, in, in Major League Baseball. And I don't know what to attribute that to. But me and quite a few teammates – we always did stuff off the field together with families and, you know, just had a really, you know, a really great experience there. And as you mentioned, my gosh, you know, Tim Wallach, Tim Raines, uh, Larry Walker, Andres Galarraga, Gary Carter, Davey Martinez, Dennis Martinez and Langston, Kevin Gross. Was, uh, we, we had, we had some really good players. And it really didn't get noticed, I think, here in the States, because obviously, number one, you know, how how things have progressed. And now you can watch any game anytime. But we're in Canada, so nobody's paying attention to us. Uh, but we gave, we gave a few teams. Pittsburgh was really good then. Atlanta was kind of coming around. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we gave some teams some trouble back then. And it was uh, – I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed Montreal. It was, it was a, a really, it was fun, you know. And uh, when you can play baseball and have fun, and I know it's our job, but still enjoy 
what you're doing with the people you're doing it with, that just makes it that much more special. Did you ever face your brother in a game? Did, did you ever run across one another? No, no. One of the cool things, uh, he was with the 84, 85. Well, he was with the, he, he was up in the big leagues most of that year, a lot of that year with the Cubs. But I was in the, you know, American League. So then he got traded to the Giants. It may have been 85. Or, I, anyway, we were in spring training and we both took out the lineup cards which is kind of cool for a spring training game. We went out and took out the lineup cards, but really the coolest thing, uh, and, and you know, both, both, both my parents, uh, you know, unfortunately are, are gone, uh, our parents, but there was a year when he was with the Cubs and I was with Seattle and one of those rare occurrences where the Cubs were in town and the White Sox were in town. So both both teams were home. So we flew our parents into Chicago and uh, they went and watched my brother and I went for a few innings. They had a day game. And then that night they went to old Kaminsky and watched me play. So that's pretty cool. That's amazing. So you went to Wrigley too and watched a couple innings before you played that. I did. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I went over and watched a few innings and just told them, hey, look, I, you know, I'm going to, grab a cab or do whatever, get to the ballpark. And then they, they came to the game that night. Yeah. You know, it's amazing to look, look at your career and just all the different great players that you played with. Do you have one that kind of stands out above the others as this is the greatest player I ever played with? Well, there's different categories for me and not really sure how to explain that. And I'll do it by this. Number one, I told, a lot of people say who's the best player that that you played with and not necessarily seen, but I played with. And I said early on, way before this happened to him, I said Larry Walker is the best player I've seen play. Mm. He's incredible outfielder, incredible arm, incredible accuracy, can run, he can hit, he can hit for power. So – that's the guy I say is the most rounded player I'd ever seen or played with. Uh, Don Mattingly, uh, the captain, was an incredible player, incredible teammate. Uh, he's high on the list. Don Baylor is one of the greatest leaders and and presence in a clubhouse that I've ever seen. This very uh, – I don't know the word. He's stoic. He's just, he's, you don't mess with groove and not, well, why would you anybody, but it's just be like, he's just, he's not like way outspoken or whatever, but he had a presence about him. Like that is obviously he had earned and, and did earn. And he was just an incredible person and, and, uh, and had an unbelievable career as well in the game. Uh, not only, not only playing, but managing in the big leagues and and doing doing the things that he did. I mean, there's so many more that have influenced my life just from, you know, I mean, Dwight Evans was a, a great influence on me when I got to Boston. 
uh, a great man and, and, and a really tough player. Uh, you know, having Roger and Calvin Schiraldi, another, you know, uh, as teammates, not only in college, but in Boston was, uh, was, was a really special thing. So matter of fact, there was a, I think in the Austin Statesman, American Statesman, there was a, uh, an article during that 86 World Series that called us the Austin Red Sox. Because uh, we had me, Roger, uh, Calvin, and Don Baylor grew up and went to Austin High School. So he was from Austin, too. But, yeah, there's this, you know, I, I've, I've got to witness, you know, so many, so many great players. And back in that era, I mean, you know, I got playing against George Brett. And, you know, guys like that that are that you knew were going to be Hall of Famers, Yaz and and uh, Rod Carew. Oh, my gosh. Rod Carew was a big influence on, you know, who who knew it come full circle there, too, because I always loved Rod Carew uh, watching him play, watching him hit. We flew into Anaheim and got in the day after he got his 3000 hit. So there was an article in the paper, 3,000 or whatever, and I cut it out and he signed it for me. And he didn't know me from any, you know, I'm just a young kid or whatever. And he was, it was awesome. And then he was my hitting coach in 94 and 95 when I was with the Angels. Just love Rod. There's just, uh, I know there's so many. I mean, I could sit here and start thinking more, but yeah, it was, uh, just had a, you know, in the air that, that I was fortunate to play in, I just had a lot of respect for the guys that, that uh, had built the path before me and what the game was with them and what they were and how they played. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I played in the air I played in. It was, it was a lot of fun. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 